Well, welcome to Grace, everyone. It's good to be with you. Thanks for joining us online. My name's Todd. I'm the pastor of student ministries here at the Bath Campus. And I'm so excited to be able to continue our conversation that we've been in, that we've been calling stops along the way. If you're just jumping into this conversation or in the middle of it, I encourage you to go back and check previous messages or even some of the podcasts that have been created as we've been journeying through uh, this interaction that Jesus has been having with his disciples. I also encourage you, if you have a family member or a friend that might find encouragement in the message today, I encourage you to share this service with them. Uh, it's a great way, and it's a beautiful part of social media and being online. Uh, we can easily bring others into the conversation. So throughout this series, we have been trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. As we've been looking at the interaction that the disciples, the 12 disciples, had with Jesus, trying to wrap our minds also around how our heart and mind, uh, what it means to follow him. And so throughout all this series, uh, Jesus has been teaching his disciples kind of about who he is, about who his father God is, as well as uh, words that he would use like the kingdom of God. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be jumping in because these stops along the way that Jesus has been making has been continuing to reveal what it means to be a follower of him, but what it looks like to be connected to him as well. And so today's interaction that we're going to be looking at with the disciples in Jesus is found in the book of Mark chapter 13. And this interaction that they're having, I really believe, is a little bit of an eye-popping, jaw-dropping experience for the disciples. And so throughout this today, we want to look at how they responded to Jesus, but also how we can respond by pressing into this interaction that Jesus had with them. So why don't we take a look at Mark chapter 13, and while you turn there and before we really press in, a little bit of backstory. All right. So last week, Pastor Joe was with us, and, and Jesus has been teaching in the temple. And last week, uh, Jesus kind of revealed... Uh, with what Joe was sharing with us, uh, what it means to kind of the greatest commandment, the greatest law. And Jesus kind of revealed to his disciples that loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving others is the most important thing that we can learn and, and bring as a part of our lives. Well, Jesus was going around in the temple uh, doing his thing, teaching, and the religious leaders are starting to draw a flag a little bit. They're like, wait a minute, who is this guy? He's proclaiming that he is really the Messiah, the, 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 you know, the Savior of all. And so they're starting to try to trick Jesus and get him caught up so ultimately they can arrest him because they, they can't wrap their heads around that someone would say such things. Well, by this point, the disciples are starting to get very familiar with Jesus. They've been with him for some time now. They're used to him stopping and to teach. They're used to him like meeting the needs of other people. And by this point, wherever Jesus went, uh, Jesus drew a crowd, right? He drew a crowd wherever he went because people couldn't resist like hearing him or, or trying to get a glimpse of who he was. And so by this time, Jesus was no secret. Well, this also meant for the disciples some level of status and popularity for them because wherever Jesus went, the disciples were there to follow as well. All right, so with all of this in mind, let's take a look. Mark chapter 13. 
Starting in verse 1, it says, As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings? Replied Jesus. No, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. I think in this moment, the disciple who was asking these questions or, or making this statement, look, teacher, what massive stones, what a magnificent building, right? Jesus looks, he's like, hey, they're all going to be torn down. Oh, sorry I asked, Jesus. Well, he continues on here. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite of the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when these things are going to happen and what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? And so the response about the temple that Jesus gave to the disciple who was making the comment about uh, how it looked, the response that Jesus gave actually caught the attention of the four disciples, right? They're like, why is Jesus responding the way that he is? He's saying that not one stone will remain on another. This really caught the attention uh, of the four disciples, Peter, James, John, and Andrew. And so they pulled him aside privately, said, Jesus, can you help us understand what you mean? What do you mean by, like, there's, there, the temple's not going to exist. There's the destruction that's going to take place. They knew that his response was loaded. And boy, was it ever. See, at this time, the temple uh, was very significant. Because at this time, the temple represented the glory of the nations, right? Uh, Jewish people, including the disciples, it was so important to them, this temple, that their identity was even rooted within it. It's a key piece to who they are as well, because this was the place where they would go in order to connect with God. Well, as we look here and as Jesus starts to unpack this of why he responded the way he did, and if you even look at the title of Mark 13, we see that it's the destruction of the temple and signs of the end times. And so Jesus begins to paint for the disciples a very different picture. So let's take a look here at verse 5. Jesus says to them, watch out that no one deceives you. So here in this very moment, Jesus is saying, look, I've got to warn you. I've got to give you some instruction. Watch out. And he goes on throughout this chapter of kind of unveiling some of the things that they need to be on guard with, that they need to watch. In verse 6, he says, look, many will come claiming that they are the Messiah. So watch out. In verse 7, it says, wars and rumors of wars are going to take place. In verse 8, nations will rise amongst nations, kingdoms amongst kingdoms. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be famines. So watch out. He continues on in verse 12, brothers will betray brother to death. Fathers will betray their children, and the children will rebel against their parents even to the death. He says to the disciples in verse 13, watch out because you are going to be hated because of me. Later on in verse 22, he says, listen, false messiahs, false prophets are going to come, and they're even going to go to great lengths to perform miraculous things. But watch out. And so as you hear this reaction, right, as you see how Jesus really starts to paint this different picture, I can't help but think that the disciples were probably sitting there with the deer in the headlights look saying, whoa, what do you mean these things are going to happen? 
See, it's important to also mention that the relationship between Jesus and the disciples, it's very strong by this point. They've been sharing life together for some time. And so I, I really think that it's kind of like Jesus sharing and just spending time with his best friends and having that real heart-to-heart -heart conversation. And within that, he's like, guys, listen, you need to watch out, right? You need to start kind of being on guard in this moment. Well, he actually gives another instruction, right? So verse 5, he says, watch out. In verse 9, he says, you must be on your guard. And so here again, he starts to give this, I don't know, instruction, this warning. And he's saying, listen, my closest few, my disciples, be on guard because you are going to be persecuted for your faith. You're going to have to start counting the cost of what it means to follow me. You're going to be placed in the authority right? Because of who I am. You're going to be arrested because of me. You're actually going to be hated by all because of me. And so this is a completely different shift of gears for Jesus. It's a new picture that he's really starting uh, to kind of paint for his disciples because this would have been the first time that the disciples would have heard about the cost that it's going to take to follow him that they're actually going to experience persecution. Because up until this point, it's been like learning at how Jesus is interacting with other people, how he's unveiling that he is the Messiah. They've watched him heal people. They've watched him prepare for the needs of people. But now what Jesus is saying is, listen, it comes with a cost. And I think it's important that we see what he's trying to kind of unveil and unpack for his disciples in this moment. Because what's happening is he's starting to allow them to see that hard times are coming. Persecution is coming. But, all right, and I love where he goes here. He actually says, don't lose sight, right, of the mission. There's a reason why I've asked you to follow me, so don't lose sight of why I've kind of called you to be with me. Don't lose sight of the mission. If you look at verse 10, he actually kind of references this a little bit. And so Mark 13, verse 10, he says, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. So these things, these, these uh, signs of destruction, these signs of end time, some of the persecution that you are going to face as being a follower of me, these things are going to happen, but the gospel must first be preached to all nations. And I think that that is such a glimpse of hope for them, for the disciples. Because Jesus is saying, don't lose sight. This doesn't change the fact that I've called you to be my witness. I've called you to proclaim the truth of who I am. And so I want you to think for a second, uh, a time where you might be trying to accomplish a task. And for some reason, you keep getting distracted uh, from finishing that task. Um, I, I think it happens to all of, that, all of us. And I can't help but think of the time uh, when I was in college. I was actually home uh, for summer break. 
And uh, any time that I was home over summer break during my four years of college, I loved being with my best friends from high school. Uh, that was our chance to reconnect. It was our chance to hang out. And any time that our friends, uh, myself and my friends were together, we always wanted to be outside. And so we loved to hike. We loved to rock climb, fish, you know, canoe, kayak, whatever it might be. As long as we were outside, we were good to go. Well, there was one Friday night uh, where we uh, were all getting off of work and we were meeting at a buddy's house and we were just sitting around, classic college thing to do. We're like, we're bored out of our minds. What are we going to do? And my buddy Mark suggested, what if we go canoeing or kayaking? And I remember looking at him thinking he was crazy because I'm like, you do understand that it's 10 o'clock at night. It's pitch black outside. There's no way that we can go and float down the creek at this time. Well, next thing I know it, we're literally strapping in the two kayaks and the canoe into the truck, and we were heading down to the creek. And I remember thinking to myself, what are we doing? Well, on the way, we had to take a detour because we thought of the genius idea that we needed some level of light to be able to light up the creek so that we can see, because that's going to fix all of our problems, right? Being able to have some headlight uh, on the front of our boat so that we can see maybe some of the obstacles that are coming our way. I know you're already thinking to yourself, you're seeing where this is going to end. Well, we went to Walmart 24 hours uh, because it's already late at night. We purchased these two big floodlight flashlights that we had the idea of duct taping to the front of the boat so that it would create kind of like headlights like it is on the front of the car. And so we did it. We strapped the headlights to the boat and uh, we got everything in, life jackets, helmets, all of it, and we started to float down the creek. And I have to tell you, it was awesome. The first like half hour we're into this, I've got two of my friends in the kayaks, my buddy Mark and I are uh, in the canoe, but what happened is the light kept falling off the front of the boat. The duct tape was given out, and so what we decided was I will hold the flashlights and kind of be the navigator while Mark is in the back paddling and kind of steering us through the obstacles. So I would say, Mark, there's a rock on the right, go left. Mark, there's a tree on the left, go right. And so we're just, hey, great team effort. We're making it down the creek. We're about 45 minutes into this. Uh, we're just having good conversation. We're having a blast. And by this point, it's like midnight, right? Well, next thing we know, off to our left as we're floating by, there was this huge commotion that was kind of like on the shoreline and in the water. I'll be honest, it sounded like an animal attacking another animal, but had no idea. And, and I'm just going to be a little vulnerable here with you, and I'm sure some of you can relate. There's even this, like, the slightest little glimpse of the fear of dark. Well, I have it. I don't know why. If I can't see what's going on, I get kind of freaked out. And so as soon as I heard this commotion, right, the light that I was responsible for to shine the direction that we were to go immediately went over and lit up this commotion, and it was a flock of squawking geese. There was about five, six, seven geese that because we were going by at this late hour uh, caused them to kind of, you know, flap their wings and squawk and do everything that geese do. And as soon as I moved the flashlights away from where we were going to the squawking geese, our boat drills a tree that had fallen into the water and it was under the water and one of the branches were sticking up and it drills the side of our boat and in that moment, my buddy Mark was flying out of the boat. He's standing now shoulder deep in the water. I somehow managed, I don't know how I did it, holding the flashlights, 
kept the boat afloat, right? It didn't tip over, and I stayed in the boat. Got maybe a little splash from Mark falling in the water. So don't know how this happens. But here's the kicker, all right? I actually have proof of this story because I had two buddies that were in the kayak, and as they were floating by, this whole thing went down. One of my friends actually was able to capture a picture of the very moment of Mark being out of the boat and me within. So here, for your enjoyment, here I am, light in hand, safety first, helmet on, right? And my buddy Mark in the back where you can see that the water level is all the way up uh, to his shoulders. All right, so here we go. That was our adventure uh, back when I was in college and we got distracted, all right, because of a flock of squawking geese. Well, here's the thing. As we kind of relate this back to what Jesus is doing with his disciples, Jesus is warning them. There are going to be squawking geese, there's going to be the squawking goose that is going to cause a distraction for you, that's going to try to fight for your attention. And what I want you to do is understand to kind of be on guard for that so that you're not distracted, that you can fully lock in to why I've asked you to follow me. These geese are going to become very loud, and they're going to become more and more frequent. And Jesus even refers to them as birth pains in verse 8. And I think it gives us a great picture uh, of these distractions, right? Because what Jesus is saying, he's like, listen, uh, these distractions over time are going to become more and more frequent. They're going to become more and more intense. And so imagine a woman who, who is going into labor when that due date or that time comes for the child uh, to be born. Those birth pains become more and more frequent and they become more and more intense, all right? And so Jesus kind of just gives us this clearer picture, gives his disciples saying, hey, these distractions are going to come your way. But, and I love where he goes with this, take a look at verse 13, all right? Because what Jesus says, he's like, listen, all right, everyone will hate you because of me. Well, thanks, Jesus. All right, that's good to know. I'm sure the disciples heard that. They were very encouraged, all right? Everyone will hate you because of me, but... The one who stands firm in the end will be saved. The one who stands firm in who I am will be saved in the end. I, I can't help but think of the picture that Paul throughout the New Testament kind of gives us of running a race. He uses this illustration so much because I think it gives us the perfect picture. As we are living our lives, we are running a race, but every race has a finish line. There is an end goal. And so as you're running this race, obstacles will come in the way. Distractions are going to get in the way to prevent us from getting to the end goal. And so what Paul says here in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and that sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And so the squawking geese, they're going to distract us. Jesus is saying, look, the squawking geese, disciples, they're going to distract you. But it's important that we don't slow down. It's important that we keep moving because there is a goal in mind. All right? And so as we look at these verses and as we unpack uh, where Jesus is going, as he's sharing kind of the destruction of the temple, as he's talking about the signs of things that are to come in the end, I think it's important to also address for us as we're studying this, all right? Because questions will start filling our minds. 
we'll start thinking, we'll start thinking to ourselves that um, when is the end time going to take place? Are we in the midst of end times? And I just want you to know, I, I, I can't give you an answer on that. Maybe. But I can tell you this, that we are closer today than we were yesterday. But there's a bigger theme here. Right? Jesus isn't like sharing these details to the disciples to get them thinking about what's to come down the road, but rather this bigger picture. And I think it's great for you and I to understand that it's not worth spending the energy of focusing on when the end times or when Jesus is going to return, uh, when that's all going to take place. All right? Because actually Jesus himself brings light to this. And so if you look ahead uh, to verse 32, he says about the hour or about the day and the hour, no one knows. But again, he warns, be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Now, I really appreciate the, the ESV version of this because this word watch, they use a different word. They actually use this idea of stay awake or the word stay awake. So what I say to you, I say to everyone, be awake, stay awake. And so the end times, the return of Jesus, it's going to happen. But what he's saying is like, let's not focus on the squawking goose that it can actually be to try to figure out when it's going to take place. And so just so you know, like I, Pastor Jeff, we know that there's a lot of questions being asked about this. And Pastor Jeff is actually working on a podcast uh, that will help maybe answer some of the questions that you guys have about the end times and the return of Christ. And so I just encourage you, keep an eye out for that. It's part of the series called Mixed Messages uh, that he has been releasing here the past couple of weeks. And so he will address that topic. But I think it's important for our conversation, the context of where we we are today, to stay focused on the bigger picture and the bigger reason of why Jesus was sharing these details with his disciples. Because the heart behind him sharing these things, remember, he's having a conversation with his best friends. He's having that heart-to-heart -heart with him. And so in that very moment, he's wanting them to remember that he is with them in that very moment. He hasn't gone anywhere yet. And he's also wanting them to focus in on that he is the Messiah. And so he's giving these warnings. Watch. Be on guard. Stay awake. Because I think the disciples in this very moment, as they're hearing this conversation with Jesus, are starting to wrestle with counting the cost that it means to follow him. They now know that they're going to be experiencing persecution. There's things that aren't going to be so fun to experience coming their way. And so now they're kind of at this fork in the road. And the instruction that Jesus is giving them is like, hey, don't be caught sleeping. Rather, be spiritually awake. Be ready. And I think that that fork in the road, they're having to identify for themselves, are they spiritually awake or are they spiritually sleeping? And what does that mean? And I think to be spiritually awake means that they're, they're taking who Jesus is, 
the truth of the teachings that the disciples would have heard from him, and they're cementing that into their hearts. They're allowing that to be the foundation of who they are. They're understanding that Jesus is the Messiah and that there is a, a level of trust and faith and, and peace that is built into who he is. And so understanding that truth gives them a clear understanding of what it means to be spiritually awake. On the flip side of that, being spiritually asleep, I think that's like being distracted by the squawking goose. It's what is life throwing their way that is preventing them from fully trusting and relying on who Jesus actually is and who he says he was by doing all of the teaching that he was doing while he was here on earth. It's maybe even uh, the squawking goose of allowing the culture to influence who they are, the other voices that are kind of coming from the outside in. The disciples are wrestling with all of this as they're processing, are they spiritually awake right now or are they asleep? I don't think there's any accident at the time that this conversation took place between Jesus and the disciples. I actually look at this and I, I see this interaction with Peter, James, John, and Andrew sitting privately talking with Jesus because it wasn't long after this moment here in Mark 13 that Jesus would eventually be arrested and then killed. And so Jesus knew what was coming, right? He knew his time was drawing near. And so here are some final instructions that Jesus is giving to them. He's wanting them to see the importance of being prepared without him there with them. To be prepared and to be on guard because times are going to get tough. Persecution is coming your way. And so these final instructions, he even tells them, listen, I have given you everything you need. Here in verse 23, he says, be on guard, the instruction again, I have told you everything ahead of time. He's looking at them and saying, listen, I've prepared you. You have what you need to live this life without me with you in person. So go continue to proclaim the truth of who I am. So as we see this interaction that Jesus is having with his disciples, we have to ask the question, what does this mean for you and I? We have to start connecting the pieces here of figuring out, okay, if we were to put ourselves into the shoes of the disciples, what does this mean for us? And I think we have the opportunity to see that the warning, right, to be on guard, to watch, to stay awake, are some of the same kind of warnings or instructions that Jesus is giving to you and I. As I was uh, preparing um, this message, I couldn't help but think of the role of a firefighter. So think about for a second uh, a firefighter. Maybe you know a firefighter. Maybe you watching are a firefighter, and so you know exactly what this is, all right? But a firefighter who is on duty, right? That means they're, they're scheduled to work, they have to be ready at all times for when the bell or the phone rings and there is an emergency that they need to respond to. They have to be ready. And I think this gives us a great picture of what it means for us to also be ready, right? To be prepared. And that's what Jesus is kind of pointing us towards. But I also look at the, the life of a firefighter, right? He's not sitting there like anxiously waiting for the phone to ring. 
I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to wait for the bell to go off and I'm out the door to respond to the emergency. No, he's going about living his life. So maybe an on-duty firefighter might be preparing the trucks, might be getting the firehouse up to, up to code, whatever it might look like. Maybe the firefighters are sitting around playing a game of cards or whatever firefighters do, right? But yet they're still ready. Because when that call comes or when the bell goes off, they can respond and they go on mission. And a firefighter has this mindset of being on mission to go rescue and so they're ready to respond in that moment. I think we can learn a little bit about this mindset that a firefighter carries in how we respond to what Jesus is saying here in Mark 13. Because as the disciples were wrestling with are they spiritually awake or are they spiritually asleep, we also kind of have this mission of figuring out where we are spiritually. Because as times get bad, and we can all agree there's been some really difficult times lately with the startup of school and the stress that that brings, figuring out how to uh, maneuver around this, this COVID virus, right? The, 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 the fighting that is constantly taking place in our nation. There's some pretty rough times, pretty rough things going on right now. And so as all of this is taking place, I think we need to figure out how the Lord is working in the midst of these times. And for us to wrap our minds around it, I really think that there are two things. As we try to figure out how Jesus is working in the midst of all of these uh, difficult challenges that we're facing, the persecution that we might even be facing as, as a follower of Jesus, there's two things that I want us uh, to understand and really wrap our minds around. And the first one is this, that in order to understand what Jesus is doing, in un understanding what it means to be spiritually awake or to be on mission, we, it starts with a relationship with him. The disciples, right, had this front seat to learning and knowing about Jesus. And at first there was like some, some like figuring out who this guy was, but by this point in their relationship, they know it and they believe it. But it started with a relationship with him as they built a, a, uh, a relationship together after spending time together. And so I think for us, right, we obviously don't have the privilege of being able to, to hear Jesus' teaching face to face, right? We know he's not with us here on earth. He's with us in heaven, but we also have his teachings. We still have them. We have the truth of who he is. And it even comes with the hope that's found in him. And it's locked within these pages. That we can rely on the truth of who he says he is. And reading about the interactions that Jesus had with his disciples, we benefit from this. But how the disciples got to know Jesus, it was a relationship. And I think it's important for us to also have this relationship as well. In fact, uh, Jesus actually provides some hope with this. If you look here at verse 31 in chapter 13, he says, Heaven and earth will pass away. The things of this earth will wither away. But my words will never pass. The truth of who I am, it's never going to go away. I am with you always. And there is so much hope that is found within that. But it starts with a relationship. And so I think we have to ask ourselves a little bit, do I have a relationship with Jesus? 
Does my relationship even resemble at all the relationship that the disciples had with him? Do I actually believe with my heart and my mind that he is the Messiah, the Savior, the one who ultimately came to rescue us? And then I also think we have to ask, am I prepared? Am I spiritually awake? The disciples were wrestling with that, right? At the end of, the, of chapter 13 here, they're having to figure out, do I believe who Jesus says he is? As hard times come, am I going to continue to rely on that truth? I think it's important for us to also process, like, are we going to be prepared, right, of, of being on guard and watching, and are we spiritually awake? The goal of a relationship with Jesus is connecting our heart to his heart. But we understand that a relationship takes time. It doesn't happen like that, right? It takes time to strengthen and to develop it just like the disciples did with Jesus. The second aspect to this, right, this idea of, of being on mission or this idea of, of connecting our heart to God's heart and being spiritually awake, I think it's possible uh, or, or necessary to have also a relationship with others. So we're connecting our heart to God, right? We're starting a relationship with Jesus, but it's also important that we have this community of other believers, this community of other people in our life. The disciples model this for us. It wasn't just one disciple following Jesus. There was 12 of them. They had a community and a group of people to share life with. And so we have been actually wired and created and designed to not live this life alone. And so I think it's important for us to find this circle of people where we can, you know, talk about the characters of Jesus. Talk about who he is. Talk about what it looks like to live our lives the way that Jesus modeled for us. But it's also important to talk about how we can uh, have this community while wrestling with what life is throwing our ways. How can we interact and deal with some of the squawking geese Right? It's important to have that community. As we think about the role of a firefighter, they're reporting uh, to a, an emergency call. They approach the, um, the blazing fire. Right? A firefighter, they don't want to go into a burning building alone. They will if they have to, but they don't want to. They want to know that someone has their back. And I think that's why it's so important. And as we look at this context, there's value in operating as a team. They're more effective as a team. The disciples had each other in this moment to wrestle with what it looks like to be spiritually awake, to be a follower of Jesus. And so they're more effective together as a team. And so as we look at this firefighter, they're going to be on mission. They're reporting to that call. And I think it's good for us to also take the mission and carry out the truth and the message of who Jesus is. Jesus didn't want his disciples to focus so much on the destruction of the temple or the signs that kind of Jesus revealed about what is to come. That wasn't the purpose of this. He actually wants us to find peace. He wants his disciples to find peace in who he is. And Jesus is ultimately wanting us to put kind of the, the spiritual lens on as we can see what God is doing in and throughout each one of our lives. 
I'm seeing this showing up right now in our community, even as, as how uh, a church, what Grace Church is doing to respond to some of the needs here in our community. The startup of school specifically has caused some stress. I get it. Some students are back in person with new rules and mandates, and, and some students, you know, are online for the first handful of weeks or a delayed start. And, and parents are navigating what this looks like because, hey, I'm a full-time employee, but now I have to be like full-time teacher? What does this look like? And so there's kind of a whirlwind of emotion taking place with that. And I loved seeing how Grace Church is showing up in this moment because what we see is that there is a need. The call has been placed. And there's an opportunity for us to kind of bring uh, some resource to the table for you as a parent. Or, or even bring some, some moments of rest so that you can actually refresh. So that you can, you know, not have to be the teacher or not have to be at work in that very moment. And so we've been talking about these ways uh, for the church. Encourage you to check those out uh, and to see if there's a way that we can even come alongside and partner with you. But I think it's a great example of how we are also showing up and being prepared and even being awake to help our community. So I just want to encourage you, whether you're sitting at home right now, maybe at the office catching up on the message, or, or maybe you're sitting in a room with other people, I want to provide you some space, some time to kind of process and, and reflect on what it means to follow Jesus, to have a relationship with him. And to allow the Lord to kind of work in your life in the midst of all that's going on, all of the noise, the squawking geese in our lives. To be able to reflect on what Jesus is doing in your heart right now. And encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, what would it look like for you to start that right now? I just want to provide you some time and some space to think through that. And then also I want you to think about who's running with you into the burning building. Who are you linking arms with? Who is helping you see that God is moving in your life? Who are you finding encouragement from? And who are you encouraging? Would you take some time and process those things? And even let us know of how we can come alongside of you and support you and link arms with you as you navigate this stuff. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to dig into the truth of your word. Thank you for this interaction with the disciples as you were giving them the mindset to be on guard, but to be ready and to be spiritually awake. Jesus, would we take this truth, not get caught up in the details of what is to come, but focus right now that you are with us and that you're wanting us to just lock our hearts and minds into who you are and, and above all, just continue to advance that truth of who you are to other people. Lord, I pray that uh, we would understand the importance of a relationship with you and also the importance of linking arms with other people and the importance of that community. So God, would you just be with us and allow us to live this out in our lives today. We pray this in your name.